Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello everybody and welcome back once again to another episode of the Fuel Better podcast. I am your host as always Evan Lynch and I am delighted to be bringing you this episode on the 30th of December, the penultimate day of what has been a very busy, very exciting and a very positive year in my camp. Anyway, I hope you feel the same way. If you're listening, you already know what the title of today's episode is. We're going to reflect, we're going to look back at the last couple of days. People tend to find Christmas very, very challenging for a whole host of reasons. Cultural norms, social pressure, social expectation, there's peer pressure, there is the honour-off mentality, there's poor food relationships, the whole lot. I want to talk you through it, debrief it, unpack it and help you look forward with some positivity to a better 2023. At least that's the ethos here anyway. I'm excited about the next 12-month period. I hope you are too. A couple of exciting announcements before I get into today's episode. So number one, if you are a follower on social media, you're well aware that the team is now fully operational and just about to kick off January 2023 with full client caseloads for everybody. Though there is still a little bit of space if you want to work with Beatrice, who we nabbed up from Women's Real Madrid Football Club to come and work with us. She specializes in team sport athletes and female athletes. You can also work with Avine or Ellen, who are both also SEN or accredited performance nutritionists and have massive massive value and experience to give in the areas of team sports endurance nutrition and weight management support so if you do want to come and work with what in my opinion is probably one of the most qualified hubs of nutritionists and dietitians in the country offering services like this please get in touch there is some availability with the team here for january although it might be mid-january before we can get you on board So that's announcement number one. The team is gung-ho and we are rocking. Announcement number two, we are nearly there with our online course for Feeling an Ironman. We're going to call it Iron Diet. We're currently in the process of recording the content now at the moment. So all the content is made. We're going to record it and get it out there in due course. And announcement number three, I may or may not, may or may not, be in the process of piloting a sports nutrition brand so if you follow me and if you're listening to this you likely know that endurance nutrition is something that's very dear to me 
And in 2023, I am hoping to launch my own sports nutrition brand aimed at endurance athletes. I can't say any more about it at this point in time, but keep an eye out and it's, you know, it's going to be a good 2023. Anyways, that's enough about me. Let's get into today's show. So I wanted to talk about the Christmas debrief as it is December 30th. I'm sitting here in my office reflecting on how many mince pies I ate, how many roses I had, how many hot whiskeys I may or may not have had also. And my diet hasn't looked like the food pyramid. It hasn't looked like hashtag healthy clean eating. Though in saying that, I have still ate my vegetables, ate my fruit, took my supplements, tried as well as one can with two small kids to sleep and tried as well as one can when they have COVID to stay physically active and to have a balanced lifestyle. So I'm very much of the opinion that unless you have a medical condition that requires constant and strict adherence to any sort of dietary modality, that your Christmas should not be nutrition orientated. And I, I really, really strongly believe that I'm not an advocate for people skipping Christmas dinner for, you know, de- depriving themselves of the things that they like. And if you're listening to this feeling guilty about the last couple of days, thinking, oh God, I've made an absolute bollocks of my diet, what have I done? I need you to pause and take a deep breath and just listen for the next 15, 20, maybe 25 minutes. These episodes are actually unscripted, so I have no idea how long it's going to take me to make my point here. But let's just go with it. So thing number one, I want to talk about some numbers, okay? People tend to catastrophize weight gain and fat gain around Christmas, and we always say, oh no, you know, I've I've made an absolute nuisance of my my diet or my body composition goals because it's Christmas and I went out and I did this and I did that. And objectively, it's just not really true, okay? So mathematically speaking, to gain weight, you must be in a calorie surplus. And that is very easy to do around Christmas time when you're surrounded by pie, turkey, roast potatoes in particular is my favorite thing and all of the sweets that just seem to find their way into the house i think most people would find it easy to eat 4,000 calories plus a day but when we look at the mats of body fat gain you have to be in something like a seven to seven and a half thousand calorie surplus to gain one kilogram of body fat okay so that's that's a surplus So if you have a calorie requirement of 3,000 calories a day, let's say you're marathon training or Ironman training and you keep intact with your work around Christmas time, you would have to eat about 4,000 calories a day every day for the two weeks of Christmas time to gain two kilos of body fat. 
most people don't do this. So the actual magnitude of body fat gain is rather small. And I know that because the numbers tell us that. And if you don't believe me, you can do a dietary audit, log everything you ate on the 25th or the 26th on MyFitnessPal, just out of curiosity to see what the number is. I absolutely promise you it's not going to be as high as you think it is and you wouldn't have consumed food in that pattern every single day over the festive period. So you may have gained a little bit of body fat, okay? If you are listening to this nodding thinking, yeah, but okay, I take your point, Evan, about the calorie surplus, but on the weighing scales, I am 2.2 kilos heavier. I use 2.2, by the way, because I did recently read a study that said the average weight gain around Christmas is 2.2 kilograms. If you've been an avid listener, and I know some of you are, and thank you for that, by the way, and for the people who share the podcast and leave reviews, that actually means a lot. It's very helpful. But for those of you who are avid listeners, you will know, and I'm going to explain for those who don't or are not yet avid listeners, you will know or you should know that the weight you see on the scales does not and cannot tell you the full story as to what's going on. Let me explain. When we bear in mind that to gain a kilo of body fat, you have to eat a 7,000 calorie surplus. And then we look at the fact that your weight can change by a 2% on any given day. We have to acknowledge that there's actually more going on there than just changes to body fat alone. Most of the weight fluctuation that you see on the scales or in the mirror or around your midriff is actually water retention, okay? Water retention and glycogen and probably fecal mass. And I'll, I'll put it like this. If you have a high carb intake or if your carb intake goes up pretty sharply over a short space of time, I'm just thinking of crackers, roast potatoes, bread, junk food, chocolate, all of the things that we bring out at Christmas time, your carb intake has gone way up, most likely. That causes your glycogen tank to fill. It gets really, really full. <clears throat> if you've ever done a carb load, you know you can really pack away glycogen and you can super compensate with glycogen storage as well. So you, you can add around half a kilo to 0.75 of a kilo in glycogen alone, okay? And that you can do that in 24 hours easily, no problem. Furthermore, for every gram of glycogen that, that you attach to your body or that you, you accrue inside your muscles and your liver, you gain or you, you find that there's another three grams of water attached to that glycogen molecule. So if we do the maths then, if you gain half a kilo in glycogen, you gain two kilos on the scales. And odds are the average weight gain around Christmas, that 2.2 kilos, the other 0.2 of a kilo might be fat, I reckon. So any, any good nutritionist or dietitian or people who understand how human physiology works know now is not the time to panic. What I'm looking at here is likely fluid retention, glycogen, 
and by the way when you eat more things like your you know your carbohydrates your your brussels sprouts your um, mince pies and your your christmas cake which has dried fruit in it you just increase your fecal mass so there's more poo inside you and to put a number on it I, i've never asked my clients to quantify how much they poo in terms of a weight but i can tell you in combat sport athletes that if we're trying to make weight we can opt for something called a low residue diet that's worth in the region of half to one kilo in a short space of time so you've got more poo inside you if you're eating more more brussels sprouts and more carbohydrates as well so those things are often transient i think it's fair to say that most people don't eat around christmas the way they do in january february march april may june july you get what i'm trying to say it's different it's a time of year where people quote unquote break out so just know that when you go back to your normal patterns your weight will pretty quickly go back to where it was okay so that's that's thing number one the numbers don't add up the way you think you do and i guarantee you you do not consume enough calories for christmas to be as much of a disaster as you think it is so that's point number one point number two that i would like to point out and this one is really cool and it, it hits at how plastic your metabolic rate is a lot of people like to blame their metabolism for things it's really not you know doing or it's it's, it's really not working the way you think it is and for for anyone wondering you know you hear the word metabolism a lot someone can say that and it can make them sound very smart but metabolism is effectively an umbrella term for everything that happens in your body every chemical equation enzymatic shift cellular flux atp breakdown every molecule of carbohydrates and fat that you use to make energy that's your metabolism it's the the energy cost of the sum of all chemical reactions that happen inside you okay what we know is when you dramatically increase your carbohydrate intake or your calorie intake what you get is a huge increase in tandem in your uh, calorie output and it happens in two ways one of them is behavioral the other is metabolic in nature so we'll start with the metabolic one when you eat more food specifically more carbohydrates spuds breads things like that your body gets warmer you, you do more thermogen thermogenesis excuse me it's a big word you do more thermogenesis more calorie genesis your metabolic rate is heavily governed by keeping your core temperature steady that's why in cold environments or in something like swimming you torch through calories okay so brass tacks you give your body more carbs more calories your metabolic rate increases i i'm i'm not accurately quoting here but i know it can increase by more than 20 to 30 percent over an acute period of time so the more you give it the, the quicker it runs and it's partially governed by thyroid hormones and the reverse is true by the way in patients who go on low or no carbohydrate diets or who have reds relative energy deficiency syndrome you see thyroid suppression and free thyroid or your your t3 hormone there 
that is considered to be almost like an accelerometer for your metabolic rate. The higher or lower it is, the higher or lower your metabolic rate is. There are two medical conditions related to your thyroid gland, hypo and hyperthyroidism. If you have hyperthyroidism, you may lose a lot of weight very quickly. You'll have a couple of other symptoms as well. But if you have hypothyroidism, it may contribute to weight gain. And just to bust a myth, if either of those things are medically managed with uh, your iodines or your levothyroxine or L-troxin, you cannot blame your thyroid for weight gain if it's medically managed. Then it doesn't have any impact. Just to put that out there, there's going to be a couple of people not too happy that that information is out there, but that's the reality. So that's the first factor in how you change around Christmas when you eat more food. This doesn't just apply to Christmas, by the way. So calories up, metabolic rate goes up. The second thing is behavioral, and you probably don't even realize you do it, but this is this is seen in both directions. It's something I'm referring to here is non-exercise activity thermogenesis, NEAT, N-E-A-T. And it's seen as the biggest modifiable contributor to your calorie requirements. So when you eat more, you actually start to move around more, like a lot more. You're more fidgety, you're more active around the house, you're less likely to be sedentary or sitting down, you might stand more. And again, the reverse is true. When you eat less and you go on a low calorie diet or you restrict the hell out of yourself, you feel more sluggish, you move less, you do less spontaneous activity. And it's not conscious, it's a subconscious phenomenon, so you're not even aware you are doing it. So I just wanted to point that out. Those are two things that really change inside your body. And again, it'll model that picture of calories in, calories out. So, you know, I hope you're uh, not feeling as stressed as you were 17 and a half minutes ago when this podcast started. And I hope you're now seeing that, you know, a lot of the weight that you might panic about, the six to eight pounds or the two, two to two and a half, maybe even three kilos of weight that you gain around Christmas, minimal levels of body fat, a lot of things change in your body and it's transient. So then let's, let's look at the, the thoughts behind this. Why, why do we feel so guilty at Christmas time? And I'm going to make a reasoned assumption that most people listening to the Fuel Better podcast are sporty or athletic in some way, shape or form. And I, I'm... Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm basing that off of the people who give me feedback because you, you guys tend to be. If you're sporty or you're athletic, or even if you're not, to be honest, like I'm thinking of family members like my mom or some of her friends. Here's a thing that people say all the time. I'll give you an example. Oh, I've been very good this week. I haven't eaten any bread. Or, oh, I was very bold last night. Now I had some chocolate or biscuits or crisps. Think about that for a second. What the fuck? What are we talking about here, lads? Is really, is it really something we're doing that we're assigning virtue, guilt, shame to our food choices? Does that actually make any sense? Do our food choices have any bearing on us as people, our personality, or our worth? My opinion, they don't. The general consensus is that they do. And I'm going to point out something now that maybe you need to hear this. The idea that, let's say with sports performance first, that clean eating is helpful that's a cultural belief, not a scientific fact. In reality, sports nutrition is often predicated around giving people high glycemic index carbohydrates, notably sugars of various types, and making sure they get enough salt, sodium. Neither of those things are considered healthy, not by a long shot. And in fact, in non-athletic cohorts, advising people to consume more sugar, more high GI carbs, more salt is terrible advice. It's why it's called sports nutrition and not general nutrition. It's also why things like Lucozade Sport are not called Lucozade Couch because they're designed to be consumed during sports. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out. Clean eating, that whole idea, that's not a real thing. That is people applying the all or nothing mentality the hard work mentality that comes with exercise to diet where it is inherently inappropriate. In, I suppose, tandem to this, I always see this in weight loss circles is that people are programmed at the moment, not at the moment, have been for a long time to believe that diet is prescriptive, that I must follow a plan, that I have to hit very specific foods at very specific times and that there are foods that are either good or bad for my goals. And again, that's mostly cultural belief. It's often observational bias. Oh, Jimmy down the road does this. These tenants are rake. I'll just do what Jimmy does. It'll probably work for me. And then there's just genuinely a lot of people who will mislead you or make predatory models. I'm not going to name any, but you guys know what I'm talking about. You know, you go in, someone measures you, weighs you in front of a group of people, and then you're told certain foods are sins or you have to keep a food diary for them. And in some cases, I've heard people being berated or lambasted or publicly embarrassed for their food choices or lack of scale weight progress. It's generally very unhelpful. But that's what we expect when it comes to weight loss. 
the general idea that I must rely on the practitioner in front of me, not just to get to the weight that I need to be at, but to stay there. So how can you tell a predatory weight loss model from one that's actually designed to help you? The predatory model, the person will just tell you what to do and there may be an element of shame, guilt, judgment or fear involved. Whereas someone who's there to help you will explain what you're doing and help you troubleshoot why it's not working. There's never emotions brought into it. It's just non-judgmental support. And that's, that's what we do here at definitely in my clinic and that's what my team are all trained to do and I know that's what works. Anyone who has ever worked with me, one of the first things I will tell them is our end goal here is that you never need to talk to me again. And I really mean that. And there's some businessmen there thinking, Evan the fool, it's a terrible business model. It may be, but I'm in the business of helping people, not ripping them off. Anyways, uh, rant aside. So athletes and weight loss focused people, both of you, both of both of these cohorts of people are preconditioned to think that there are good foods and bad foods and that there are acceptable and unacceptable patterns of eating and that to not follow you know your belief or an ideology that someone has told you about food is to do something wrong to do something bad or to just shoot yourself in the foot. When in reality, what we're actually talking about here is adults who probably still eat their five a day, who still get reasonable sleep, are still health conscious, maybe take a supplement or two, hopefully take care of their mental health, but in December, have more alcohol than they should. Maybe a couple of mince pies, couple of roses, a bit of chocolate. It's not exactly a personal statement. Do you know what I mean? It's it's Christmas time. And I think if we look at it like that, it's really not the be all and end all. And if you listened intently at the start of this podcast, my hope is that you'll be doing the maths and thinking, well, do you know what? At Christmas, I make an effort to stay in control. I don't drink excessively on nights out. I try to do portion control. And at Christmas, I even at Brussels sprouts. Did the few mince pies or chocolates that I have had over the last few days, were they worth the guilt and the shame I feel for the very minimal body fat I've gained and the very transient change in weight on the scales? I'm going to leave that one hang for a minute. I hope the answer you're coming up with is no. In fact, it didn't matter that much. And I wish... I had approached Christmas with a more tempered mentality. Okay, so I hope that the last 26 minutes or so have been insightful or at least interesting or even just food for thought, to be honest. What we're getting at here is your relationship with food and weight and how you react to all of those things. So rules of thumb that I would always go by Sometimes in, you know, in the space of a year, definitely at Christmas, birthdays, nutrition should not be the lens with which you view things through because that's too one dimensional. It's not very flexible. 
it doesn't really allow you to have a balanced life and it's not sustainable. At least it's not sustainable without affecting your mental or physical health or your relationships or social life. And that by definition is unhealthy. If that's, if that's how you manage your diet, that's where it actually becomes disordered to a degree, maybe not a clinical eating disorder, but definitely not healthy. So again, as well, I'm not trying to get across the point that you shouldn't give a shit about what you eat. And in fact, a lot of my conversations with clients for the first half of December, end of November, circled around, how are we going to manage Christmas without making it shit crack? Okay. And that's really the conversation you need to be having with yourself, someone like me, or even just thinking about it. So some examples of how I helped clients get through Christmas and some of them gave me feedback and said, you know, I had the freedom to do what I wanted. I knew I was in control. I knew that I could enjoy myself and I was able to cut it off when I was getting to the point of overindulgence. So that's the thing. We can indulge responsibly and in moderation and take all of the other boxes and know that that's a balanced diet. But we also know, and you don't need a dietitian or a podcast if I can tell you that having four mince pies for breakfast is overindulgent or having 15 pints of Guinness in one night, that's a bit much. You don't need a professional to tell you that. But maybe what you do need is someone to help you put a plan in place. Some examples of the plans I put in place with clients for Christmas, just off the top of my head, here are some of the things we did. So for one client, his weakness by his own definition was cheese and cracker boards, and that's something they would have in the house at Christmas. So we decided that two or three nights he was gonna go out with his partner and there was a tapas bar and he went and had cheese and crackers and he enjoyed it. He didn't have them in the house, he didn't miss them. So it was modifying his environment and making a plan to include the thing he liked. That was that was our Christmas plan for, for this client. For another client, their particular thing at Christmas time, much like myself actually, was tins of celebrations or roses. Because roses are small, we think, ah, not a problem, I can have one. The issue there is a rose is somewhere between 30 and 50 calories, depending on the one you have. And whilst we have one at a time, we very rarely just have one in a day. So I counted it one day and I know I'm capable of eating 10 of them. And that's me being conscious of what I'm doing. I know in the past, I've definitely eaten double that. And I know other people can do that as well because they're small. So it's, it's death, by, uh, death by multiple little, little hits of chocolate. So instead of having the roses there, which he could easily ignore or discount or pretend he wasn't eating because cognitive bias is a real thing. We got selection boxes, two, three selection boxes in the house, and it was easier to portion control them because they're bigger. You have to really deal with a bar of chocolate. It's not a little rose that lasts for three seconds. And he found that, you know what? That really worked. I had like one or two a day and I know it was about 160 to 200 calories and I was happy. I didn't deprive myself, I had my thing. So job done. No, it wasn't no chocolate, it was chocolate in a better way and it do it in a more appropriate and more controlled manner. 
and that's all we're getting at. Point number three, or client number three, I should say, we looked at drinking out. So this client in particular liked Guinness, also liked beer, just mentioned that at Christmas time, he would have multiple pints of Guinness and a pint of Guinness is off top of my head from recollection, 210 calories and eight was the lucky number. So that's, that's just shy of 1700 calories of liquid in a night. Not to mention that when you are inebriated, you tend to nibble and pick at more things and your inhibitions are lifted. You may also get a takeaway. So the alcohol is really just the, you know, that's not the only calorie hit. So what we did here, we decided that we were going to go and go for a beer. So Rock Shore was, was when we found and it was almost half the calories per pint. And we talked about getting long necks instead of pints or keeping it to four units in total or four drinks in total and spreading it out over the night. And the feedback was that it didn't ruin the night. The, the client just didn't drink in rounds, drank at his own pace. He felt he was able to enjoy the night. He wasn't getting tired. He was able to train the next morning and he saved about 20 quid actually. And it, it had no semblance of a compromise. It didn't detract from the experience. And that's what we're getting at. We're not trying to take away from your experience. We're not trying to impose a nutritional or clinical lens on your whole life. That doesn't work. What we instead want to do is find ways to adapt and adjust what you already do to make it work for you within the context of your life. I'm not here to ruin your Christmas. I'm here to save it and make you not feel guilty or terrible or like you've gone off track around this time of the year or just in general. These guidelines are applicable all year round to all kind of social events. So to summarize, the numbers don't add up the way you think they do. Your metabolism actually changes in ways that you're likely unaware of. It's subconscious and you also cannot psychologically dictate what your metabolism does, to my knowledge anyways. The food choices you make, as long as you have a plan, as long as you can think of compromises or little ways you can change things, that's really all you need to do. You don't need to feel bad or guilty about anything. And maybe I'm not a fan of New Year's resolutions. Uh, anyone who knows me knows I think they're a lot of bollocks. But if you wanted to make a goal for 2023, maybe you could do something like stop using the words good foods and bad foods and maybe stop looking at food as dichotomous as in black or white, or maybe throw your scales into the bin, your weighing scales. Very few people need weighing scales. You don't need a weighing scale to tell you that you're eating well or not. And if this is something, you know, you're listening to this thinking, God, like that's, that's eye-opening. Maybe reach out, you know, we can have a quick chat. That's fine with me. Uh, as I said, I'm here to help people. And I can tell you that a lot of a lot of my clients this Christmas had a freedom with food and alcohol and whatever and their lifestyle that they never thought possible. And that's really important. So when we talk about sustainable weight loss, dietary changes, they're only sustainable if you don't hate them and if they don't interfere with your life. That's the definition of sustainable, I, I would imagine. It's not the dictionary definition, but it's 
is essentially what that means. So in 2023, if you are looking to make some changes here, I would encourage you to get in touch. There is still availability for the coaching program. The consultation clinic is open all year round. And one last time for the people at the back who haven't heard this, the idea that there are good foods and bad foods for weight loss or weight gain or sports performance is a cultural belief, not a scientific fact. For sports performance, there are guidelines, there's nutrient timing, there's carbohydrates, there's hydration, etc. It's individualized. You need to meet your calorie requirements in a clever way and a timely way. For weight management, it's all about calorie balance. And most fad diets that exist or popular diets, they just wrap up calorie balance in different little boxes and put little bows on it. Restricted time feeding, limited food choices, removing macronutrients, telling you that foods high in calories are terrible things so you avoid them anyway, thus creating a calorie deficit. One to think about. If you'd like to lose weight in your own terms, we can help you with that. Anyways, quick episode today guys. There will be some very, very interesting guests coming on in the next few weeks and I have a couple of topics lined up for 2023. So it's going to be lit. I don't use that phrase often, but I am very excited about 2023. Thanks as always. And I just want to say thanks as well to anyone who supported me, the podcast, the business in general, being a client, wants to be a client in the future, or anyone who's given me well wishes. It's been a great year and there was a time in my life where I never thought I'd get to do this for a living. I nearly took a full-time job in a call center late 2019, so not that long ago. So I am always thrilled and appreciative that this is what I get to do for a living. So for anyone listening, thank you very much. You make this possible. Your support is never unnoticed. And if you'd like to continue that, I'd appreciate if you can leave the podcast a review, tell a friend about it, maybe reach out to me on social media, ask me questions, interact with me. I love talking to people and helping them with their problems. So let's look forward to 2023 with much more problems solved. Thanks very much, guys. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.